talking to a first generation farmer and you probably think oh it's like a 19 year old kid no he's not but you know what he's got some cool stories to tell we're up with russ usselton in this edition of extreme ax cutting the curve welcome to extreme ags cutting the curve podcast where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately. Extreme Ag, we've already made the mistakes, so you don't have to. Managing your farm's water resources is a critical component to a successful and sustainable farming operation. Advanced Drainage Systems helps farmers just like you increase their yields up to 30% with their technologically advanced water management products. Visit ADSPipe.com to see how they can keep your business flowing. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey there, thanks for joining us for another fantastic episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. Um, if you are around Extreme Ag events, it's likely you might have seen Russ. Um, I think I've bumped into him at two different extreme ag events maybe a third one and then he was at a speaking engagement i delivered at western kentucky university for a seed company so anyway after the most recent time i saw him at temple roads field day i said you know what russ i want to get you on and do a member spotlight because you got some cool stuff to share all right russ um you were at the uh louisville uh, event we did and you said I look down south and I want to have soil as good as Chad Henderson has. I'm in <laughs> south central Tennessee. We got some really rough stuff. The extreme ag guys all pick on Chad and says his dirt sucks. So there you are. You're pining to have that good dirt. So tell us about your operation there in south central Tennessee. Yeah, I, I laugh a lot. We folks where I live look south at the at the good red dirt guys down in Alabama have. <laughs> it's, uh, our soil where I am, uh, primarily silty loam, uh, low CC, high phosphorus, high calcium, and an unbelievable amount of limestone that just grows out of the ground. <laughs> you know, people talk about picking rocks. If you want to pick rocks here, it requires dynamite and a track hole. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they you just got... grow out of the ground. So you've got a layer. Is it because like I had some ground like that, that I was raised farming where it was only a foot and a half of topsoil in some places. And then it was solid limestone because it had been a river back when the glaciers melted off, you know, 10,000, 15,000 years ago, however many years ago. Yeah. We have an abundance of that. Okay. There's a lot of fences that get built around here. You put a post where you can, it doesn't matter where you want to. Yeah. Right. You go, you go as deep as you can actually drive a post. And sometimes it might've be a foot and you hit solid shale. Um, all right, so your farming operation, first off, saying that you're first gen, we always think, oh, there's always this, you know, young young couple, they want to be in the country. I mean, that's a neat little storybook that we like to say, but you're you're not 20 years old, and you, uh, you they didn't do a profile on you on uh, some TV show. You are legit first generation, and you're, uh, you're, you're at it how many years now? Uh, I've been full-time since 2008. Okay. Uh, I bought my first cattle in 2005, but before that, um, well, let me go back a little further. When I was in, my dad was spent 29 years in the army. When I was a kid, people say, what is your, ask him what he did. His standard answer was I jump out of airplanes and kill people. So I went to a career day when I was, a, I think a sophomore in high school, of course at Fort Benning, Georgia. Career day was at Auburn. And I discovered that there's such thing as an ag degree. 
Mm-hmm. Life-changing day for me. Mm-hmm. From then on, I was in. I didn't know how I was going to be able to participate, but sign me up, I'm in. Uh, I went to Middle Tennessee State in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Uh, my folks are originally from Tennessee, in-state tuition. You know how that works. Yep. And I basically learned how to farm when I was in college. I got a job at the MTSU Dairy. Um, I worked 80 hours a week while I went to school full-time. My normal schedule was three weeks on and two days off. Wow. But I was eat up with it. I, you know, couldn't get enough of it. And I always kind of thought, that, yeah, maybe production, but I'll find a spot somewhere. Yep. Um, like I said, I bought my own cattle. Uh, first one's in 2005 and 2008. I was working a sales job and the economy got bad. My wife and I sat down and had a long talk and we said, well, if there's ever a time, it, I'm not making any money anyway. Let, let's, let's try and see what happens. And like I said, that was 2008 and we're, we're still here fighting and clawing and digging and making a go of it. So 15 years of being full-time because you quit your sales job, you know, I think it's a cool story that, you know, adversity uh, tosses you into a situation. Sometimes it's sink or swim, but you had had a job and you'd made money, but you hadn't been forced into the corner where you have to make it in ag. I mean, uh, it's a little, it's a little more, it's a little more difficult now. So what's the operation look like today? uh like i said started back then um i had five cows when i started uh rented my first farm in addition to what we already had we own about 40 acres right now today Mm -hmm. um today what the operation looks like uh i rent uh right out about a thousand acres of pasture and hay ground and about 500 acres of crop ground Uh, 100 percent no-till with cover on the crop ground and uh, like I said, cattle and hay on on the rest of it. So, in your part of the world, as opposed to uh, say uh, where the Farm Progress Show was held, where I was last week, there's not mile section after mile section after mile section of corn and soybean fields. I'm guessing you got some curve, you got some rock, you got some hill, you got some, yeah. you got creeks, you got things are cut up. It's a very different world. Yep. I've got uh, a good example. I've got one farm that's just a little over 100 acres. It's got a 300 foot change in elevation. <laughs> so, 100 acre property, and that's not even all tillable. No, no. No, that's pasture. Yeah. Okay. And it's got 300 foot of elevation change. Okay. So, do you on the hay front, and this is something that's really off the the reservation for most extreme ag people because they generally are real crop farmers. You sell hay? No, it's all it's, everything you make for hay stays on your property. Yes, got it. And are the cows making you money right now? Yes, got it. Yes, the, the cow deal is pretty fun right now. That market is cooking. Yeah, right. And so your stuff goes traditional to sale barns or to stocker feeders. You don't you don't sell direct to consumer like Kelly Garrett does or anything like that. No, I I did for a little while when I was still pretty small, but it just got to the point. Um, it became more of a commodity yeah. for me. The the numbers. Yeah, got it. Okay, so uh, 
you rent most all of what you have. Uh, first gen guy, the tough part is it's a hugely capital intensive business. Equipment, crop inputs, you know, it takes a thousand dollars to put in an acre of corn or something like that. You're not coming in this with grandpa's farm or anybody backing you up saying, uh, hey, you know, we'll go ahead and co-sign or hey, hey, you can farm and not even pay us for equipment for the first 10 years. You start on your own. So talk about the unique challenges there. It's tough. It's really, really tough. And and I've got to give a lot of credit to a banker that I had um, in the beginning named Michael Trebuck. Unfortunately, he passed away from cancer a few years ago. But I sat down with him in the beginning. Thankfully, he's got cattle of his own. So he understood where I was coming from. Mm -hmm. And I laid out a plan and I said, Mikey T, here's what I want to do. And he said, I got you, baby. Let's go. And one of the last things he said before he died, <laughs> I went to see him. He had pancreatic cancer. Okay, that's terrible. <laughs> he looked at me and he said, damn, you're going to pull this off, aren't you? I said, yes, sir, I am. you bet. <laughs> okay, so um, the, the the unique challenges is you can't go out and, you, you know, you, you you don't have a bunch of equipment. Uh, so, like, where did you – so you got the cow thing going, and the good thing is the cows, it's a season-long thing. You know, that's all good, and it's a way to utilize really below-average ground. I'm assuming you don't have to pay a lot for some of this 300-foot elevation change kind of stuff because, you know, it doesn't have a lot of other value. So it's cheap, I assume, right? It, well, that's relative. But, yeah, uh, generally 25 30 bucks an acre, somewhere around in there. Okay. And so – and you can put a lot of stuff out there. Are you under capacity right now on your cows? Yes. Okay. By, by design. Okay. It's because you know, we never know, as Chad says, because it's the same way here. We're only two weeks from a drought most of the time. Uh huh. So you you could have more cows, but you think that you'd better be underutilizing the facilities, the pastures, etc. Okay. I would much rather look at lush grass than man. I hope we make it. Okay, and then tell landlords me like that as well. Sure, sure they do. All right, then tell me about the cropping. You you didn't you didn't go out and buy uh you know the brand new biggest combine. You didn't buy the biggest. I'm assuming. So what's your equipment look like right now? And then how did it get going? And you know, 15 years ago. Well, uh, the cropping. Funny enough, that actually started in 2018. Okay. I, a farm that I had rented. Uh, the guy that was renting the crop ground on it, big farmer. He said, you know, I got plenty of money. I think I'll just quit. So my landlord said, hey, we've got a relationship. Do you want this? And I said, yes, sir, I sure do. I planted my first 70-acre bean crop with a rented hay buster grill. <laughs> I, I planted beans, and then I figured out how to grow beans, and I bought a 1980 1440 International Combine and the first time I drove a combine was I pull, when I pulled into the field to start cutting my beans. All right. So where where are you now? Uh, now, uh, I've actually got a real planter. I've got yeah. an, uh, an 815 Kinsey, but it's it's pretty old too, but it works. Mm -hmm. And I work, I call it my race car because I'm tinkering with that thing forever. Right. And I've got a, I've got a 2004-2388 combine. You know, it's not new and it's not shiny, but it will get the job done. Yep. 
And then you you don't do hardly any tillage, so you don't have to have a lot of equipment. And also the kind of ground you have, probably that that's best to not be tilling much. That's absolutely right. Good way to break things is to start working ground here. Yeah. So no-till system works for you. Did you did you decide you were going to be a no-till producer because of what you learned at Middle Tennessee State or because you just didn't have the equipment or because somebody told you, for God's sakes, whatever you do, don't go out there and start trying to till this stuff? Well, interestingly enough, no-till here in, in my little portion of Middle Tennessee has been pretty popular here since the late 70s. Yeah. I mean, it, it's almost – it's hardly anybody works ground. They just yeah. no-till everything. Yeah, it makes sense. By the way, I want to hear more about this real quick because I want to tell our listeners, uh, it's been a stressful year. If you're in the West, you know, we were talking about over Kelly Garrett's and, and Lee Luber's, it was a hundred in excess of 100 degrees in the Midwest, for crying out loud. So I'm going to ask you this question. Are you ready to stand up to weather-induced crop stress? If you are, turn to Terramar, an innovative biostimulant technology from Loveland Products, designed to help your corn and soybean crops thrive, even under stressful conditions. It's not just heat stress. It's not just drought stress. Remember, also, if you want to push the envelope on early planting, that's stressful. Cold soil is plant. Cold snap is stressful. There's a lot of things that are stressful. Try Terramar, exclusively available from Nutrient Ag Solutions. Okay, so you don't you don't have a lot of equipment, uh, which you don't need it for that many acres. Uh, from uh, the standpoint of technology, you talked about that old planter. We talk about at Stuff with Extreme Ag, you can have an old planter if you keep tinkering and modernizing some of the stuff whether it's two by or infuro or some of those things like that you can still have very effective uh and and technologically advanced planting have you done that i actually have the equipment in my possession right now to do it this winter okay so i didn't want to do it i had a six row and i didn't want to do it on that because i knew i wasn't going to keep it because i couldn't get it around it's too yeah. hard to get up and down the road but i, I bought the eight row uh last winter and i'm going to rebuild it this winter oh that's cool all right and then uh tell me about the practices so you do almost no almostly all no-till you grow corn and soybeans you grow something different where you are corn and soybeans and cover crop almost exclusively on everything okay how do you get the cover crop in the ground use that old drill either broadcast it or drill it in yeah still renting a drill okay that. okay so cover cropping uh, the person that says, oh, well, I can't make that work. Well, that won't work in uh, Tennessee. Well, it won't work right. You know, everybody always has an excuse. What's been your experience? Well, I'll just be completely honest with you. I've got a lot of highly erodible land. And my conservation plan says that, Mr. Usselton, you need to be planting cover crops. So I plant cover crops. Okay. And it works. Yes. Okay, what's your system of uh, then eradicating the cover crops when it's time to plant? You use a bar, you just spray it, you don't use any tillage. Spray it. Okay. Terminate it close to planting time. And I assume you hire out the spraying from the retailer? Uh, that's going to change this year as well. You're going to buy but I have been I have been up till now. Now, do you think you can justify owning a sprayer for 500 acres? Or are you going to use it? Are you going to do some other work? I'll probably, I may do a little other work, but not much. Most of it's going to be for me because I'm I'm making more passes now. Yeah. And I'm also utilizing some things that I'm not buying from my local supplier and they're not going to do that for me forever. I see. 
All right. So a ground like you have, clearly you've you've outlined it as it's 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 not what you'd call shiny. Do you think yeah. that do you think that intensive management, like the stuff that you're learning with Extreme Ag, because you are definitely uh you're taking this as seriously as you're taking your 80 hour work uh, week at the at the college dairy. You attend the events and you and you take notes and you're thinking, you know, I'm gonna do this. So does intensive management on crappy ground out yield or give you more return on investment than intensive management on good ground? I really don't know the answer to that question. Because you don't have any I good know, ground? Yeah, pretty much. I know what it's doing for me here. Um, I was, this, this has been such a, a game changer for me, finding extreme ag. Yeah. I was beating my head against the wall. It didn't matter. It seemed to matter what I did. I could grow about 55 to 60 bushel beans. If weather treated me right, I could, I could make a little noise with corn, but beans just, and I actually had a, a seed salesman tell me, well, maybe you've just got 50 bushel ground. Yeah. I'm not buying that. Mm -hmm. I'm just not. Mm -hmm. And so on your on your application so you started doing some uh, some more uh intensive stuff after you started watching the videos and the guys and all this sort of stuff what was the first big uh thing you adapted or adopted probably the the most bang for my buck i i guess i could say uh bringing pgrs into the mix okay i had heard the term didn't know anything from anything Last year, um, I played with Humix and Fulvix and Sugar just a little bit, but didn't really know. I didn't know what I didn't know. And it's funny, cutting the curve, um, we, we've sort of smashed the curve and thrown it off in the ditch. I mean, I'd, I've made a, a, a quantum leap here just by paying attention. Yeah, well, that's good. That's what we're here for. Uh, here's the thing. If you were doing, I mean, you weren't, you weren't, even when you first started, you had experience from college and all that. So it wasn't like you were this hopeless greenhorn that was out there doing, you know, really you know, stupid stuff. But true. But uh, so you were actually making a little bit of money. Then you're doing more stuff. Now you're getting more yield. Is it profitable or is it I'm still learning and I'm still applying more stuff and I'm still not making any more? Are you making more dollars per acre now or is it still about the same? Yes. More dollars. More per dollars per acre. acre. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Can you are you in a position where you think that you'll have instead of five hundred next year it'll be six hundred then it'll be eight hundred then it'll be a thousand or do you think that you're landlocked? No, the the plan is to keep keep growing. Yeah, there there's uh, a I've got a neighbor around here that uh, I, I told him one time when he gets ready to retire because he keeps floating that idea around. I said, you know, when you retire, somebody's going to be you. And I don't see any reason why it shouldn't be me. He thought yeah. that was pretty funny, but I was serious. Yeah. Uh, one thing that, you know, is at the end of the day, this is a business mm -hmm. and it, it's pretty cutthroat and, and competitive. And I haven't ever been one to pirate ground, so yeah. to speak. Right. You know, I, I get what I get and, you know, if I get some more, that's great, but I'm not going to come after yours. I just, yeah. I just don't do that. Right. Uh, Temple's Field Day. You were there. Maryland is a long way from what you have and where you are. Um, 
what'd you see there that was applicable or that you're saying i'm going to take back to my farming operation in uh what's the town again sure shelbyville tennessee shelbyville tennessee um one of the biggest things i wanted to see when i went to temples is is how it's supposed to look you know i'm quite certain that his grower standard practice or chad's or matt miles or kevin anyone any i'm just going to look way different than mine yep and consequently their results are going to be way different than mine yep so i just wanted to get out and and see what it's supposed to look like and even uh when i went through the station where the beans were i didn't get hardly enough time so i went out with my flashlight after dinner and, and just took some time and and crawled around and looked at plants and leaves and and stems and like i would if i was at home you know i yeah. went on a time schedule right 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 speaking of soybeans you said that your dad came by and uh, he doesn't know anything about farming, but you showed him your soybeans and he, he saw something that impressed him. What, what was, what did, what was the observation? He couldn't believe how big they were. He said, I, I've, he said, I've looked at your beans before. Now, like you said, my dad doesn't know anything about farming much, but he could tell a big difference in just how big they were and how many of them there, there were. Pods. Pods. Podcast, yeah, yeah, got it. Uh, all right, so you were in the audience at Western Kentucky University for that seed event where I was a speaker. When you go to those things, what's the, I mean, you're you're obviously still going to field days, and you're not going there just to drink coffee and and yik yik you know yik yak with the the neighbors. You go to a seed event. What are you doing there specifically? I think that if I go and invest my time, I actually have a stated objective. Well, I've got to meet so-and-so because I got a business thing to talk to him about. I need to see this in practice. You know, I, I go, do you go in there with some objectives? Okay. Absolutely. I don't have the time to just go mess around. I don't go to town and, and sit at the coffee shop and drink coffee in the morning. I, I don't quit and go eat lunch in the middle of the day, you know, at the rest. I, I don't have time for that. I've got too much to do. When I go to you know, like that deal or farm machinery show in Louisville or an XA event, I've got a list. Yep. That particular field day, I had two varieties that I wanted to look at yep. that I have planted here that I wanted to see what they look like there. Um, I also, uh, you met the guy that works for me at that event. Yep. He's a young guy, farm kid. He's 23 years old and is a really smart kid and, and just, I'm so lucky to have him. Yeah. Um, I wanted to take him with me to open his eyes, to look around a little bit and, and see some different things. Plus look at the varieties that we went to look at to see what he thought about the same thing. And plus just as a kind of an, as an aside, I know Damien XA never seen Damien the speaker. <laughs> that's true well yeah and and and, and i didn't and i, and I didn't uh, lay an egg too bad that day um, oh it was great your operation agronomics the business side the soil side the yield side etc cetera, etc cetera. give me a couple of specific things that you've gotten out of extreme ag that you like you said okay you started doing some humans and some fall books and then your, your plant growth regulars are one of your biggest first takeaways like something that you did this year that you're like yeah that's going to be a big thing for me oh again the, the PGRs and the, the humix and fulvix and sugar, you know, I would have gotten there eventually, mm -hmm. but how long would that have taken? Who knows? Mm -hmm. It took a year doing it this way. 
the PGRs, you know, like I said, we, we've smashed the curve. We didn't cut it. We just smashed it mm -hmm. because I, I have the resources to ask the questions. How do I utilize this? What's the best way to do this? And, you know, that I've had some questions that they get answered, which is just fantastic for me. You think you're going to be putting in a, will you diversify your crop mix? Because it seems to me that where you are and you're not far from Nashville, it just seems to me that you might be selling yourself short on a small acreage. You might get more bonus, more benefit, more potential profit. If you did some oddball thing, are you going to be delving into anything like that in the next couple of years? Well, uh, I don't know how much you know about our geography, but Jack Daniels is not real far from here. And they're playing with some different things, uh, some different corn varieties. Uh, I think they're messing with some rye. If I can figure out how to crack that nut, I'll, yep. I'll wade right into the middle of that. And I'm open for pretty much anything. Mm -hmm. um, you know, being a first gen is a blessing and a curse. Mm -hmm. It's a blessing to me in that, you know, the way we've always done it, it, it hadn't been that very long ago. Yeah, right, right, right. right. So we, we can change that. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have a you don't have a lot of legacy to concern yourself with. So the thing is, does a place like Jack Daniels, do they want to have that whole story about the uh, the small guy, this first gen guy, or do they want someone that has ten thousand acres uh in one corporation and they just say, Boom, that's where our stuff comes from? It makes you wonder. Uh most of their well, not most all of their corn comes from out of town anyway. Yeah. They have some very specific parameters as far as test weight moisture that you know they've got some contractors that they're you know that's forever the the other deal is just kind of a let's play around a little bit and see what happens if we can find somebody that'll grow some of this for it. I mean, it's it's test kitchen type stuff yeah right got it all right one piece of advice idea practice uh that you have used since you started your farming operation that you're like hey here's something of a habit a practice an idea a tip whatever it is that you say you know what this has helped me get to where i am um well one thing and it's not always served me well uh it's not really logical when you think about it if everybody's going this way yeah for some reason in my twisted brain, that's reason enough that I should maybe go that way because they might be wrong. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're going that way because that's the best way to go. Sure. So but you go against I've got to go find out. You go against the grain, but you don't but you don't you're not bothered by the fact that you go against the grain. Not at all. If if you know, most people think I'm about half crazy anyway, because of the things that I do and you know, even starting this deal, I can't tell you how many people said, Oh, that'll never work. You yeah. can't make that work. When I planted my first crops, I had two or three guys tell me, well, that, that'll that'll never fly. Of course, they're all pretty big crop producers. So I, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Something's got to be working. Yeah. So your small, your smaller scale stuff, how many, how many landlords do you have for your uh your operation? <sighs> 15 or 16. Oh my goodness. I've got cattle at, I counted up this morning. I've got cattle at eight different places. Yeah. <laughs> and then this is kind of funny. There are two quail preserves here in our County. I farm both of them. One of them, I've, I've got crops growing around the, the food plots where they put the birds. Yeah. Uh, the other one I cut hay off of because you know, that's available. So yeah, I'll take it. 
There you go. Wildlife preserves your place. All right. I'm going to get out of here. I think it's cool. You're talking about Russ Osselton. He's in uh, Shelbyville, Tennessee. Go to an ag, extreme ag event. You're likely to see him. He's a member. Uh, I think you're proven. I'm taking away from this. Uh, first off, don't try. Don't be afraid to try new things. Secondly, you can be a first gen. And you know what? There's almost this thing where you got to go around and, and talk about how big you are. Well, you're you're not a big time operator and you're still making it all work you also uh uh you come into it with the idea that uh, you know I, I don't have to have the legacy i don't have to i'm not burdened by the legacy of i'm going to do it like daddy always did it so that's kind of a cool thing so cool thanks for being here thanks till next time he's russ usselton if you want to find him how do they find you oh Russell, what's your media. business? Your email? I got your business card right here. Russell. Yeah, yeah, you have that. Russell Usselton at bellsouth.net. Russell Usselton. That's U S E L T O N. It's like us, Elton. All right. Till next time. Thanks for being here. I'm Dave Mason, and this is Extreme Ass Cutting the Curve. That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve, but there's plenty more. Check out ExtremeAg.farm, where you can find past episodes, instructional videos, and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems, the leader in agriculture water management solutions.